time of Jesus' death, lots of things happened. The earth broke open and this thick veil that separated the holy of holies, the presence of God from the rest of mankind was torn in two because Jesus finished the work. And that's where the title comes from. And last week we saw that Jesus was not just another king. He was the king of kings. On Friday, we saw that Jesus was not just another lamb to be sacrificed. He was the sacrifice, the perfect lamb. And today, we are going to see that Jesus' resurrection was not just another resurrection. You see, if you look at John chapter 11, you'll notice that there were resurrections that had happened previously. And we read about it, the choir did, his name was Lazarus. So open up to John chapter 11, and we're just going to skim through some of those things as I introduce you to Lazarus. You see, he was the brother of Mary and Martha, and they lived in Bethany near Jerusalem. He became ill, and his sisters wanted him to be healed by Jesus. Look at verses 1 and 3. It says, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet and with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And so they, they pled with Jesus to come and to raise Lazarus to life. And it had been four days. He was dead for four days. These four days are actually pretty important because medically it ruled out any sort of excuse that anyone wanted to make that, well, he maybe was just in a coma or something like that. It was, it was obvious enough that Lazarus was dead that when Jesus came, the sisters even warned him that if he goes into the tomb, it's going to smell. So he was dead. There was no getting around that. When he arrived, Jesus saw that the stone was covering the tomb where Lazarus was buried, and he had to have it ordered to be moved. And once that stone was moved, Jesus, if you're looking in John 11, if you flip to verse 43, Jesus stands at the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And if you were to continue and look at verse 44, it says, and he who died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. You see, Lazarus, by the power of Jesus, was restored to the physical condition that he had before his death. This is such a miracle. This is such a powerful statement for who God is and the power of Jesus. But as impressive as that is, a four-day-old dead man, it was nothing compared to the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Jesus was not just another resurrection. In fact, it was obvious before he was raised from the dead who Jesus was. If you were to look at Matthew 27, verse 54, there's a Roman guard, a Roman centurion who says, truly this was the Son of God. This was not just some guy. This was the Son of God, Jesus. It was clear that he was the Messiah. And the reason the resurrection of Jesus is disputed by some is because it's a confirmation of who he is. If you notice in the story of Lazarus, not once did they say, uh, he wasn't raised from the dead. No, that never happened. They immediately said, what can we do to take the attention off of this miracle? Let's kill Jesus. Let's kill Lazarus. That's what the elite said. But there was no denial that it happened. There was no denial 
If we look historically, if we look scripturally, there's no denial that Jesus was raised from the dead. The only reason that there's ever argument is because admitting that he was raised from the dead makes you have to face things about yourself that you don't want to face. It's a difficult thing to wrestle with. But Jesus was raised from the dead. It's confirmation in scripture, and I wish we could go in depth into all of the reasons why you can believe the resurrection, but today is formatted differently. You see, at the time of Jesus' final cry of, it is finished, the earth shook. The rocks were split open. The veil was torn. This is proof that Jesus was not just another resurrection. The whole earth cried out in praise and said, something has just catastrophically changed the entire world and mankind's future. Jesus had the power. Upon arrival at the tomb of Jesus, they would discover that the tomb or the stone had already been rolled away. The power of God rolled it away. John 20 verse 1 says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The stone had to be moved so Lazarus could walk out. But upon arrival, they were able to look directly in and see that the power of God had already done what he had intended to do. The body of Jesus was gone. And it was actually clear from the grave clothes that he didn't walk out of that tomb in the same body. John 20 verse 6 tells us that the grave clothes were lying there. There's even other accounts that talk about those grave clothes as if the body had just evaporated. They lay in the exact same position. And if you remember, Lazarus walked out in that same physical body with the grave clothes still wrapped around him and someone had to untie him. But this was not any ordinary resurrection. This was not like anything we've ever seen. Jesus was different. Those grave clothes told the story to the point where when the disciples walked in, they saw those grave clothes and they believed, Scripture tells us. Just from the sight of those, they knew exactly what had just happened. He is alive, and his resurrection is different. But his resurrection has many implications for you and me, and I want to move through those today. You see, his resurrection means many different things. One of them is that God accepted the sacrifice. D.A. Carson says this, Jesus was bearing the sin of others, and that sacrifice so pleased God that God raised him from the dead. Thus, his resurrection is a form of vindication. It is proof positive that when Jesus said with his dying words, it is finished, God agreed. His father agreed. The work of redemption had already been accomplished, and his father vindicates Jesus through the resurrection. John Piper even goes as far to say this, Jesus' resurrection is the reward for his sacrifice and a validation of its utter perfection and sufficiency to make us perfect before God. As the Son of God, Jesus satisfied the requirements for the perfect sacrifice. Romans 1.4 says, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. So what does his resurrection from the dead prove? It proves that he was the Son of God. It proves that he made the perfect sacrifice and God fully accepted it. Jesus was raised to assure us that his sacrifice did work and the Father exalted him to show us the extent to which it worked. It was ultimately successful. 
so that he could be exalted to this forgiven in Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice. First John says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is our advocate in regard to sin. You see, if he was dead and still in the grave, how could he be our advocate? How could he be at the right hand of God interceding for us? But he is not dead. He is alive, and it means that his sacrifice is fully accepted, and I am forgiven in him. But we also see that his resurrection means that God's justice prevails. There may be some of you sitting here this morning that are looking at this from the lens of, but I know how horrible I am and I know what I deserve. Or maybe you're thinking about somebody else and you're saying, that person deserves judgment. But look at what Acts 17.31 says. It says, he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So what is it that guarantees the fact that God is going to judge? Well, he appointed a man. And he guaranteed that there will be judgment, according to Acts 17.31, by the fact that God raised that man from the dead. So you can know that there will be justice. So maybe we're upset about the lack of justice in the world. Or maybe we want vengeance. We can let all of that go in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, knowing that every person is going to have to answer. Acts 14, 12 says, so then each of us will have to give an account of himself to God. The resurrection shows us that judgment will come. It shows us that every single person is going to stand before Almighty God and have to give an account. And it's either going to be that you're found with Jesus as Savior or without So when we celebrate he is risen, we aren't just saying some guy was brought back to the dead to live in the former body that he once had. We are proving through celebrating the resurrection that judgment will come. And I don't have to stand before God and experience his wrath or the threat of his wrath because I am forgiven. My challenge today is that if you are saved because of Jesus Christ, Tell the world about it. They need to hear that there is judgment coming. And even though today is a celebration, that celebration of the resurrection in the book of Acts tells us that guarantees that there will be judgment. Tell the world about Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself today that you have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, give your life to him now. Repent. It is never too late Jesus' resurrection means that judgment is coming. And I want everyone in here to be identified with Jesus as Savior, not without. But the resurrection of Jesus tells us more things. It means that God's power is in us. And there's a few things as I came to this point and I recognized, wow, the power of God is in us. If you have Jesus Christ as Savior, I couldn't help but expand on this particular point in Romans 8, 11, it says this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What does that mean? That means if you have Jesus Christ and the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in you through Jesus Christ. So what does that power provide us? Well, the very first thing as we celebrate 
and we're so joyous today. His power gives us joy. And it gives us lasting joy, eternal joy, because the source of joy is eternal, as proven by the resurrection. He didn't stay dead. We're not relying on some guy and his happy thoughts. We are counting on the Savior of the world who conquered death, who is an eternal Savior. We rely on him for our source of joy, which means nothing can beat eternity. Nothing can beat that power. And so when you have the power of Jesus Christ living in you, it gives you joy, lasting joy. So if you find yourself this morning chasing joy, or you only can identify moments where maybe you feel this joy, it's because the source is not in you. Jesus Christ is the source of that joy. So when we say he is risen or Jesus lives, so does everything else that Jesus embodies. And it can be yours by making him Lord of your life. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us a little bit about this joy. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, his resurrection gives us life and power and victory when he lives inside of us. And so the joy that is set before us, that future glory, actually streams fully from Jesus Christ, our Savior, right now. There are some of you who are always full of joy and other people might look at you and go, that person is weird. And your response is, I've got Jesus. And so I never run out of that joy because that power lives in me. And all it is is just me knowing Jesus. And if you find yourself this morning a believer in Jesus Christ and you don't have that joy, reconnect to the source of that joy, the man who went to the cross for you, the man who died and three days later through the power of God was raised so that you can have eternal life and the sacrifice was full. That's the joy and that's the power of the resurrection in me. And you wonder, but there are things in my life that can steal that joy. No, they can't. John 15, 11 says this, these things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus talking. And he says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, he has made you brand new and he lives in you and you are not your own, you are his. And that means his joy is fully in you and you can express full joy no matter what. My savior, Jesus, didn't give himself partially. He gave himself fully. He doesn't give his joy partially. He gives it fully. That is the power of the resurrection, the fullness of joy. And that power in you also gives life. Next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus does not just give us life. He gives us life eternal. So there's going to be much more on this. But I can't not talk about the fact that his power gives us life today. Because he lives and he has conquered death, then I'm alive. And I don't have to fear death. His sacrifice was complete. And so is the life that Jesus provides. It's not a partial resurrection. It's not brought back to life like Lazarus so that we have to fear death again. Lazarus was going to die again physically. And while our human bodies are going to give out and we will have to face that, we don't face it without the power of Jesus. We face it knowing that eternity awaits us and this life is nothing compared to what we have in him. You see, he even went to Martha 
And he said to Martha, Jesus did, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, he takes the events that we know and he connects them to himself, reminding us that we don't believe and worship the event. We believe and we worship the one who makes it happen, the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't just feed the 5,000 bread. He is the bread of life. He didn't just tell Thomas the way that he was going to go. He declared that he is the way. And he didn't just provide resurrection for Lazarus. He is the resurrection and he is the life. And we never have to face or fear death because the power of Jesus in me has overcome death. And so I get to have life. The other thing about his resurrection and the power that we have is his power gives us victory. He overcame sin. He overcame death itself. His power is in us through him. And you know what that means? That means that sin has no hold on me. My chains are gone. And we need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. We need the constant reminder that his power is in us, that he has done the work, that we need to trust his power to overcome because he already has. And this is a wonderful truth that the sins that so easily entangle me are actually defenseless because of the power of Jesus Christ. That power has paid for sin in full and overcame death itself through his resurrection. And that power lives in me. The difficulty is when I forget. The difficulty is when I turn my back on that power and I want to feed that sinful appetite. But if you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, if you know that he has the power and that is your focus and that is your claim that through the power of Jesus Christ in you, sin has no hold. You can overcome through his power. His power gives us victory and it allows us to walk a brand new life in him. And it's a free life away from the chains of sin. Romans 6, 4 says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You heard us state that as people were coming up out of the water, that you will walk in newness of life. That is a brand new life that looks completely different from the old. That means the garbage that once was no longer has any attention to you because of Jesus Christ and the power that lives in you. You are brand new because of the resurrection. And this newness is filled with his power, his victory, his joy, his peace, and his life. But there are many of us in here today that find yourself trying and failing. And maybe you even are convinced that all you need to do is try harder and you can overcome. I fell before, I got up smarter, and so I'm going to fall less frequently, and I can do this. Just give me enough time and I will overcome. And some of you might feel that today. Or maybe you know or define yourself as a fighter, and you're just going to keep fighting harder. And maybe you're convinced that you can provide and do everything that is needed on your own. I want to tell you something. God's word, all the way back at the beginning, we have a history of mankind trying to do that on their own. And it's never worked. It's always failed. We're not eternal. We're not perfection. And so 
I know that about myself. So I trust the one who is eternal, the one who is perfection. And he's the only one that could go to the cross as the perfect sacrifice. He's the only one as the power to overcome death and sin itself so that you can walk a brand new life with him as your Lord. God proved that Jesus' sacrifice was finished and it was full. And so that is what we see in the resurrection. We see that his power gives us victory. Victory is found only in Jesus Christ. I want to close by giving you three exciting statements that if you are found in Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of your life, and I'm not talking about just believing I'm not just saying that you know of this historical guy named Jesus and you've studied some things on your own and you know that he probably did come up from the grave. I'm talking about belief in the depth of your heart that you are so changed because Jesus Christ died for you because of your sin and he overcame that death and sin and he was raised to a brand new life and you have dedicated your life to him. You have confessed with your mouth and you believe and now you are a changed person so that your old self doesn't look anything like your brand new self in Jesus. That's what I mean when I say that you believe in Jesus. If you haven't done that, then you are not saved. But if you have done that, then there are three statements that I'm excited to share with you today as reminders. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are justified and sanctified. So justified means that we are declared righteous. And there isn't a single person in here who has worked so hard that finally God looks at them and says, you are declared righteous. Only because of Jesus Christ, who washes you clean, and he is your brand new identity that God could look at any of us and say, wow, they are righteous. That is justified and we are justified, but we are also sanctified. That means positionally in our standing before God, we are also righteous. But that's not all. God is continually working on our life. So those things that we once held on to, we don't immediately stop doing because we're pulled in this battle of flesh versus spirit. But God is sanctifying us. That means he's continually making us more and more righteous like Christ. Hebrews 10.4 guarantees this. It says, by a single offering, Jesus Christ on the cross, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And Hebrews 10 reminds us that by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. We learned on Friday that the animal sacrifices were not permanent. They needed to be repeated. But the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was once for all. It is completed. And that is the basis or the guarantee of our sanctification. And that is why we can be called sanctified now. Because the work of Jesus was finished. Nothing else needs to ever be done to be positionally righteous before God. Jesus did it but we're still in that battle between flesh and spirit. And so with the power of Jesus Christ in us, we are continually being sanctified that is growing in righteousness and holiness. His sacrifice was so complete for you that he perfected us for all time by that one act. And because it was done, he didn't have to continue here 
doing more work for more people. It was once for all, and so to prove that, he was raised to the right hand of God because the work was finished. And so we are justified and sanctified, but we are also free. We sang it earlier, we are free, free forever, amen. We are free. John Piper says this, if Christ had not been raised, then you are still in your sins. You're still bearing your guilt, still under condemnation, still be ready to be refreshed. That means that we are free, that we are forgiven, that we are in relationship with God. We are free because he lives. And the final thing I want to share with you today, and it's a reminder that so many of us need, is that we are not alone. His resurrection proves that we are not alone. There's a room full of people here today. And I would venture a guess that there is not a single one of us who has ever escaped the feeling of being alone. That someone's not there for me. That this person doesn't care and I feel alone. And yes, I have friends and I have family and I have people, but there's this feeling deep inside that I am just alone. And that may be the truth. Because without Jesus Christ as Savior, you are alienated from God and you will feel alone. But in the depth of your soul, that feeling can only be spoken to by Jesus Christ and his salvation. And his resurrection is proof that we are not alone, that he is always with you. Jesus even tells the disciples this in Matthew 28, 20. He says, behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, the Spirit of God lives inside of you when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and declare him Lord over your life. So the very essence of who you are is his presence. But then also, Jesus is at the right hand of God. Romans 8.34 says, Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. And he is at the right hand of God. And he is indeed interceding for us. You are never alone. R.C. Sproul says Jesus is our enthroned sin bearer and he intercedes for us in heaven while the Holy Spirit intercedes in our hearts. And I want to remind you today, for those of you who are identified with Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're never alone. He is with you. Cry out to him in times of distress. Cry out to him in times of joy. He is the source of your joy. He is the forgiveness of your sins. He is the one by his power who gives you life and you can declare that you are free because of him. But maybe you are alone today. And maybe for the first time ever you saw what a changed life in Jesus Christ looks like. It empowers children who are fearful to stand in front of 400 people and it empowers them to say, no, there is something different about me inside. There is something that must be publicly admitted to and that is I am a follower of the one and the only one who could forgive my sins, change my life, give me eternal life forever and I will stand up here and proclaim that. Maybe you saw that for the first time today. That's Jesus Christ. That's the risen Savior that we are here to declare today, that we worship today. 
And so if you find yourself lost today, feeling alone, not having any of that guidance that you've looked for, it is only found in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. So that you can find life and life eternal. And it's done in Jesus Christ. You see, we are not alone because he lives. So don't just stand today impressed by a dead man who was raised to life. This was not just another resurrection. You see, by his resurrection, I am free, forgiven, full of joy, alive, never alone, and filled with the power of the Most High God. Would you praise his name with me as we pray? Father, we come before you and we we proclaim the name of Jesus, our risen, living Savior. And we don't do it for show. We don't do it for emphasis because the fact is strong enough. Jesus Christ lives. We don't serve a dead Savior. We have a risen Savior. We are free from the chains of sin We get to have the power of the Most High God living inside of us who gives us victory, who gives us eternal joy, who gives us right relationships so we can forgive others as you forgave, so that we can love others as you have loved us. And so as a body of Jesus Christ, those who identify with Christ as Savior, we get to sing hallelujah and praise to the Most High God. But if there is anyone else in here today and maybe you, maybe you once turned to Jesus, but your life has gone astray. Come to the front. We will have elders, we'll have pastors, we'll have their wives available for you because there is no time left to ignore the most important day of the year, the most important person that has ever lived went to the cross for you so that you could have life, and today is the day to make it right. Don't hesitate Overcome that fear that you feel right now of sitting in your chair and being stuck in the crowd. Stand up and be identified this morning so we can celebrate a brand new life that will live eternally with Jesus forever. This is your opportunity in this final song. For those of you who have that forgiveness of sins with Jesus, would you celebrate a living, risen Savior today? Amen.